welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining me for the, I mean, not really the end of free agency, but definitely the end of the craziness. Uh, Free agency has brought us a lot of signings. The draft brought a, a few surprises, mostly just a bunch of teams taking their picks, especially in the first round. And uh, we are here to go through all the aftermath. But before we do that, Justin, happy 4th. Yeah, happy 4th to you as well, Mark. Happy freedom. Um, no one else No one else in the world is free except for the United States of America. <laughs> happy freedom. <laughs> uh, stop it. <laughs> I'm always reminded of that uh, newsroom... Sorry. Oh, the opening monologue scene. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. With uh, so good. Yeah. He's just schooling that twenty-year-old college girl. Yep. Why is <laughs> Why is America the best nation in the world? I mean, I, I don't agree with all of it, but it is it, it is very entertaining and like food for thought. It's a. I think I think that would probably what was that like twenty sixteen or no earlier than that? Like it's like twenty twelve. I think right newsroom. Yeah, that that sounds more realistic kind of that like hey we aren't the best at everything uh but anyways the uh yeah free agency the draft we have a lot to cover so let's let's get on our horse and uh and get flying through here the the uh, I'll, I'll say this just to start do you feel like the the landscape has changed at all like did this free agency or the draft change anything for you in terms of uh, the way that the league looks across the board? Not really. I mean, I, I will say there are a couple teams where I think, okay, maybe you took you took a little step, right? You you maybe went from being a bubble team to maybe saying, hey, you know what? I, I could see you being a, a 7-6 spot now, right? You maybe moved up a couple, couple spots in the standings, but nothing significant where you look at a team and you say, okay, well, you know what? They were outside the playoff picture, but this year they're contending for the division. There was, I mean nothing like that right because no. there, there weren't a lot of a lot of big name free agents to be signed this offseason so uh really the landscape wasn't going to change at all it was whether or not you could just take that next little step right yeah yeah it's, it was more like a lot of teams shuffling a lot of shuffling uh, i'll say maybe la got better you know that dubois trade and uh, i think they they did themselves pretty good now with those those three centers i think that's probably one of the more significant moves because of it being a premier position you know now you've got kopitar and Deneau and dubois up the middle uh, very few teams can boast such a one two three punch down the middle so they they definitely help themselves there but uh you know a team's adding a little bit of depth and some un- I think some unusual signings to, for me for uh, for some guys where you're like, oh, I thought I thought you liked to win. <laughs> uh, I thought we'll, he'd like to win. <laughs> we'll we'll get to those. Um, let's start with Timo Meyer, since that was uh, I think the the biggest deal made since we uh, last spoke, and that is an eight year deal with an eight point eight AAV. Uh, Timo Meyer is a devil. He will be for basically the rest of his the the good part of his career. Um, do you like this this deal for the Devils, especially given that Timo Meyer maybe wasn't quite as good as 
Uh, some people had had hoped walking into New Jersey. Yeah, I I don't hate the deal, but I don't love it either, right? So um, obviously, with a guy like Timo Meyer, I feel like okay, cool. You're you're getting a, a 40 goal scorer from last season, but now you give him a full entire off season, a full hopefully regular season and training camp to to really. I mean, mesh with these guys, right? I mean, you're playing with some elite talent up. That top six is going to look really dirty in, in New Jersey. And so now when you give him a whole entire offseason and, and regular season to acclimate himself, right? Because in the playoffs, he he looked meh, right? He he created a lot of opportunities but never really finished. And so now, now maybe you can create that little chemistry so you can finish and you can, you know, just, you know, I guess, like I said, you know, put the puck in the back of the net and – uh so hopefully it'll be worth it. And I, one thing to point out, though, and it is maybe I don't know if New Jersey did this on purpose, but the first year of his his contract, there's a there's no no movement clauses uh, at all versus the last seven years of the deal where there are you right. know modified right. or com- full new no moves. So you know maybe they're looking at this like okay cool we're gonna find out really quick if he's gonna mesh with our top six because if not we're gonna we're gonna move him really quick right I don't know if maybe that was their mindset but uh, you gotta wonder. Yeah, and uh, a lot of bonuses right up front, right? Six six million dollar signing bonus uh, right off the the hitch, and he's going to get twelve million bucks this year, and it's it's a very front loaded deal. Obviously, uh, towards the end of this deal, it becomes about seven point two million per season. Uh, but yeah, that's it is an interesting note, you know that, that yeah that he doesn't have a no movement clause. It would be really tough to move uh, him at like the deadline or something like that. That would be a a virtually impossible move unless you moved him to a team that was just a bottom feeder with a lot of cap space. But yeah, it's a, it'll be, it, I, I think he'll be okay. Uh, you know, when Agreed. you think about like Jonathan Huberdo, do we think he's a, he's going to be a, a 40 point player again? No, absolutely not. He'll have a much better season this year. Uh, it, it is probably more often than not, you you see a guy walk into a, a situation on on trade deadline day, and it and it does take a little while for them to to find themselves. Occasionally, you you know you just you hit the the right guy in the right situation with the right players, and it all works out. But I think that it's free agent, or uh, trade deadline day can often be a fool's gold kind of uh, pursuit because taking that small sample size and going, Oh, see, it didn't work or Oh, see, it's going to work. Uh, it's not always the case. I, I would say that that's the, you know, when you look at the, the Leafs and Ryan O'Reilly, I think everyone would say, Hey, it was actually, it was a fit. Like the fit worked really well for the time that he was there. I mean, he put up almost a point per game in the regular season when he was healthy, he had a really good playoff. I think you'd say, yeah, it fit for those three months that it worked out. I don't. I actually look at that and go. I, I think that that's a almost like a a fool's gold kind of thing too, where uh, they didn't end up signing him. But I think that was a good thing because I think that he potentially over the long run wouldn't have been that uh, put up those same kind of numbers over the course of the next four years. Whereas I think Timo Meyer will put up seventy to eighty points a year at least for the first four, first half of that deal. And I think that if you're in New Jersey, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at like the next five years, hoping that one of those five years you can win a cup. 
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, another prime example of that is Tyler Bertuzzi, right? You, you, you talked about having a, just being a perfect fit, right? And I, I think a lot of times with, when it comes to the trade deadline, I think really where the gold is typically found is in the bottom six, where you get those depth guys that can just slide in, fill in well, and maybe just elevate your bottom six, your, your third pairing defense, just a little bit more, right? Um, it, it's very rare where you get these high end talent guys like Timo Meyer come in, they slide right in and fit just perfect and meld with your other top, top guys. Cause there's a lot of different egos. There's a lot of guys that say, I want the puck. Right. And so now you have to find your place in the, the pecking order basically. Yeah. And there's a power play that has been established up to that point. And so then you're kind of coming in and disrupting that. And that, that can be a, a difficult place to be. Uh, so there, there's, there's a lot of factors there, but I, I think Timo Meyer ultimately, you know, you signed like it's fair to say that basically one of the best free agents that they could have signed, uh, they they were able to get. I know he was an RFA; he could have stayed there for another year, but they they lock him up long term. And you probably weren't going to go out and sign anyone better. So I I like the move. I think that he's a great. Uh, I'll say he's like not at all the same type of player. But I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and like maybe what they kind of needed to add to to get themselves over over the hump. I mean, not the first time they won the cup, but the, that's those second cups, um, the second back to backers. He kind of reminds me of that Phil Kessel ad. Like you just kind of need that complimentary piece who's hot, like an elite talent can score, can do a lot of things that you didn't have. You bring him in, you can play him anywhere you want in your lineup, top line, all the way down. I mean, you can play him on your third line if you wanted to and then give him some power play time, but uh, he can play up and down your lineup. He's so versatile, and I, I think that you'll find, you know, over the course of time, Timo Meyer is going to be really good in the playoffs too. I, I, I think this last year was a little blip on the radar there for the playoffs, and he'll be ready to go next year when the Devils are in the playoffs again. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ivan Barbashev signs a five-year, $5 million deal with Vegas. Uh, they obviously did not want to let go of that top line because they end up trading. Basically, they exchange Barbashev for Riley Smith, who they, they trade to the Pittsburgh Penguins so that they free up that cap space. Um what what do you think? I mean, it's I know that it wasn't a direct trade, but it was basically, hey, f- Riley's five million out, or uh, Smith's five million out, and Barbashev's five million in to stay. What What do you think of uh, keeping that line together, but saying farewell to one of your OGs? Yeah, I mean it, it's tough, right? Obviously, he was the first guy that Mark Stone handed that cup over to, and you can tell like how important he is to this team, right? What he means. Um, but obviously, at some point, right, you have to say, okay, we we got to move on, we got to. We got to do something else. We got to keep this guy around, right? I mean, if you want to keep the I, I, the good times rolling, right? I mean, it's it, it was evident that that top line was so good with Barbashev, Marsha Show, and and Eichel, and and then of course you had you know Stevenson and, and Stone. So um, Riley Smith was almost kind of the odd man out. His production kind of dipped a little bit this year, and I think um, you know for teams looking for leadership, right? They were they were able to offload his contract and. Um, you know, for me, I, I think Barbashev obviously brings something that Riley Smith doesn't, right? He he brings that physical tenacity, that sandpaper, um, and he's still able to go out and, and score goals as well as, you know, Riley Smith, if not a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, it, Barbashev, 
looks like a five million dollar guy. I mean, it's he it, he didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, I think if you've been watching Blues hockey for a while, you know that Barbashev is uh, who he is. Uh, five million dollars is a pretty good pretty good for him. Like that, that's a pretty good good deal for him based on the the kind of points that he generally puts up. Like you know, hey, he put up. He only put up 45 points this year. I mean, that's not, uh, it's not nothing. He had 16 goals. Um, obviously, he scored 26 the year before. Had a fantastic playoff, which paid, got him paid. But honestly, you look, you know, the year prior with St. Louis, he had two assists in 12 playoff games. Uh, <laughs> and there's, I mean, I know that this was essentially his, like, it was his second third year in the league when they won the Stanley Cup, but he had six points in 25 playoff games. Yes, he had a fantastic playoff with the Vegas Golden Knights. I I wonder, you know, you're exchanging Riley Smith for this guy. Uh, I kind of look at it and go, yeah, he, he brings something different, right? Like, Barbashev is not necessarily, you're not paying him for the points he puts up. However, uh, Riley Smith did put up you know, 56 points this last year. He scored 26 goals. He had 14 points in the playoffs. Uh, I think what Riley Smith does in the playoffs or in the regular season um, maybe outweighs what Barbashev could do in the in the regular season as well. So, I mean, it's not that much of a of a difference to me. Like, you know, they, they lose Riley Smith. They gain Barbashev. It's sort of a... A, a zero sum game because you do lose a really high end skill guy who just seems to be able to score goals at the right time. And you exchange him for a very different player. Obviously he's kind of getting paid off of the, the playoff run and everyone looking out and saying, dang, look at what Matthew Kachuk, Kachuk did. Ivan Barbashev is probably like a Matthew Kachuk light in terms of what he does and how he plays. And I mean, I think he's, he's getting paid for it. I think maybe in past years, Barbashev only gets three and a half million for three years or something like that. But he had the playoffs of his life and he's getting paid for it. But I always am suspicious when guys get paid for a playoff run, because we have definitely seen what happens in the past when you, you pay people because of playoff runs. Oh, without a doubt. But and I, I mean, I know he had sixty points two years ago. Oh, for sure. That's yeah. not lost. And, and and I don't I don't think there's you know any doubt that he could bring that kind of production, that fifty point production. Um, but I just think there was such a good fit with with Jack Eichel. You you and not to mention the fact that he's five years younger. You got to make Jack happy. Yeah, you got to keep Jack happy. So I think there, this was just such a good fit that um, you know obviously it just made sense, right? Yep. Absolutely. And and Pittsburgh gets Riley Smith, who, you know, Smith has shown over the course of his career that he can play with practically anyone and still produce. Uh, So uh, I think that the the Penguins acquire somebody, you know, with he's got what one year left on his deal. So somebody who maybe can come in and play with Crosby or Malkin, that's always a, a boost, essentially replaces Jason Zucker, who they lose in free agency. Um, Maybe the uh, that Ross, you know, that Ross Colton deal to Colorado for a second round pick kind of slid underneath the radar. Uh, Ross Colton going to the Colorado Avalanche, uh, he's he's always been a solid 
bottom, like you said, bottom six guy. Produ- he produces, you know, he scored 22 goals two years ago, 16 goals this last year. He's he's solid in the playoffs. I believe that he's unsigned right now. Uh, yeah, he's he is unsigned. So they, they gave him a, a qualifying offer. Uh, but for Colorado, I really like this move. I, I think that he is exactly the kind of guy you want to bring in. Obviously, hey, I mean, Ross Colton played against the Avalanche in uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals, so they they know what he can bring. And I I really like the move for the Avalanche trading a second round pick for a guy who theoretically could play up in your lineup if you need him to. He kind of is that versatile winger who can just do anything, play anywhere, and is is probably just going to be able to play his game wherever you put him. Yeah, and that's the thing I like best about this move for uh, for Colorado is they get a guy who's not only good on both sides of the puck, but he can move up and down your lineup, right? So if, you know, Ryan Johansson isn't really cutting the mustard, he's not, you know, producing, you can slide Russ Colton up there and you can you can still not have to worry about losing or the that second line really dipping in production, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was a good... Uh, I felt like it's kind of slid under the way, the radar. It happened, you know, right at the be- right first day of the draft, and uh, I think before the draft started. So it was just you know, kind of got glossed over. But it's a really nice move for Colorado, who has an abundance of cap space with Gabriel Landeskog not coming back this uh, this next year due to that knee injury. Um, were you surprised to see the Tampa Bay Lightning say bye bye to Corey Perry? And Patrick Maroon, who have both been very big parts of those Stanley Cup runs. Not surprised. I mean, Patty Maroon, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that they had to retain any kind of salary, as minimal as his contract was. But um, I know, 200000 yeah, It's right. <laughs> Minnesota's just so up against it, right? I know. <laughs> I, just, I mean, honestly, I just think this is purely like, hey, you know what? We got to we got to get away from some of these older guys. I think they want to start bringing in some younger kids. And granted, they don't have a ton of them because they've, they've got rid of a lot of their draft picks. But I think they want to try to get a little faster, a little younger. And um, you know what? I, I don't think, as far as leadership is concerned, right? Losing Corey Perry, Patty Maroon's going to do anything to that locker room. They've got plenty of guys uh, that know what it takes. Obviously, many of them have won a couple cups there. So to me, it's just bringing in younger younger pieces that are able to, to get some ice time and hopefully develop and be those next guys to, you know, essentially take over for the Alex Kalorns that are gone now, Russ Colton's and so on and so forth. So, yeah. And then Corey Perry just turns around and signs a, a one year, $4 million deal when he had 25 points and was a minus 28 last year. Unbelievable. I mean, I guess that's what the 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 Blackhawks have to do to convince people to play there right now. Uh, I I don't I honestly don't understand it. Like to me, I get I get the whole you know, hey, we're bringing in Bedard. We want to protect him. Isn't there someone better to protect Connor Bedard than the thirty eight year old Corey Perry? Like. I mean, I don't even know if this is more or less to bring in a guy to quote unquote protect him. I just think they're trying to bring in, you know, experienced guys that have won cups, right? So you're bringing in Corey Perry. You're bringing, I mean, you have Tyler Johnson there, who's who's obviously won a cup. But um, I just think they're trying to bring in just some more veteran guys that know what it takes to 
to go to that next level, right? Because, you know, you can be a rookie in this league and, and have all the skill and talent in the world, but it, it took Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl a while to, you know, essentially get to the playoffs and to, you know, essentially establish themselves as playoff contenders every year. So, Yeah, but um, so if you were looking for somebody with, uh, with a lot of playoff success, why did you bring in Taylor Hall? <laughs> well, I mean, like, the guy does have a heart trophy, right? So um, he does have a heart trophy. But if there's, I think there's, you still have to surround, you know, Bedard with some skilled players, and we're not going to throw Corey Perry and Nick Foligno into that category. So those are the guys that are going to be, you know, on the bottom six sandpaper guys, and but they're they're good voices to have in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, and and I guess the I know the hope is that Taylor Hall plays alongside Bedard. You know, you're going to give Taylor Hall a chance to maybe give his career a little bit of a resurgence, but I feel like we've been talking about that for the last five years. <laughs> Since he won the Hart Trophy, we've been talking about, you know, oh, well, this team will be the team where he takes off. I and, felt bad when he went to Boston because I knew, I mean, it was one thing to be in Arizona. I knew he was going to, the numbers would dip a little bit because he had no one to pass the puck to, but man, I felt bad when he went to Boston even more than so Arizona because their style of play, I just knew he doesn't fit that. And then of mm. course, after last year, we saw him get relegated to the third line duty, and I'm like, "Well, that's that's it. Taylor Hall's probably going to go soon." Yep, and that he did. Uh, yeah, it's it'll be. I'm I'm not that I think Chicago's going to win anything, but Chicago has become watchable. I'm like, hey, if Chicago, if there's a game with Chicago on, I'm definitely going to watch. I mean, just for the Bedard sake, but uh, but they they at least have a team that is worthy of me spending my time uh, taking a gander at and and they'll hopefully have some highlights out there too uh, but sh- Chicago has done enough to you know, to make themselves interesting again uh, but I, I still think they're going to be god awful <laughs> but yep. but maybe maybe more offensive you know it, it, they might be bad but also score have have a much better offense which which I'm I'm okay with a bad team who scores a lot of goals, but just lets in a lot of goals too. It's those well, teams we <laughs> that are bad that just can't score anything. They're going to let in a lot of goals. I mean, no offense to Peter Morazic, but if that's who you're relying on, it's not going to go well. No. Um, all right. Uh, I guess the, the next pretty significant signing, we've got a couple. Uh, David Camp with the Leafs, a four-year uh, it's 2.4 AAV. Uh, I think that one's just... He's a third, like kind of that third line center. Uh, you're paying him quite a bit, but he does. He basically does everything except for actually put the puck in the net. So maybe a slight overpayment for a guy who does that, but probably a a Brad Tree Living type of guy when it, when all is said and done. So uh, uh, definitely maybe an overpayment on the on the years, but I think at this point, I think we're all on the all on the page of. The cap is going to go up, and a lot of these free agents recognize that the cap is going to go up next year. So if you're going to sign any kind of deal longer than three years or two years, you are looking out into a world where the cap is probably 6 to $8 million more than what it is now in the next two or three years. So that percentage is going to change pretty drastically over the next couple years. Um, Aiden Hill signs a two-year four point nine on the AAV with the Vegas Golden Knights. Any any surprise? Any like, do you think that he can keep doing what he's doing in Vegas, or was this just 
a a miracle playoff run. They'll uh, uh, oh gosh, why can't I? I'm blanking on the Chicago's goalie in uh, 2009 when they first won. Anthony Niemi. Niemi. I was like, it's not Nieto. <laughs> yes, Anthony Niemi. Are we looking at a Niemi situation, or is this? Uh, you think he's the real deal? No, I, I think he's a quality goaltender. Now, do I think he's a number one A? No. Um, I think he's going to be a goaltender that can go 50-50 with a guy during the regular season, and then you can lean on him during the playoffs. I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to put up these these numbers again in the playoffs, right? A 932 save percentage. I just don't think it's there. But you look at his time in, in Arizona, he's put up good numbers for a team that was just terrible defensively, but he was only topping off at you know, 19, 20 games there. Uh, between you know Arizona and, and his time in San Jose. So I do think if you can limit his ice time to maybe 40, 45 games a year, um, I think he, you're, you're going to get good value out of him. Now, um, you know, obviously they've still got Logan Thompson, who might just come in and take that starter's job, which would be make things very interesting. Um, but again, you don't have him signed long-term. So if Logan Thompson does come in and is that guy that's just going to steal the starter's job away from him, you can – you can be okay for a couple of years at 4.9 million bucks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess the, the question kind of remains, you know, is Robin Leonard a factor next year? Is he coming back? Is this it for Leonard? Is, uh, will they trade this deal? You know, I, I don't think it makes sense to trade it if he's hurt, obviously, but they're, I mean, he's a $5 million cap hit. And if he comes back healthy, he's, He's gonna. That's gonna be a big hit against your cap. Not something that you can afford. So he'll have to go somewhere else, or you have to figure out something with your goaltending. So that's a that's a big. I guess the elephant in the room is what do you do with Robin Leonard, uh, who also is facing all these like fraud charges from uh, creditors. I don't know if you've seen that. That like uh, supposedly he. He uh, committed fraud against some of his creditors. I don't. I don't know what it all entails, but he is being accused of some pretty pretty big things. So uh, I don't know what that means for him. Usually, they just work it out, and he'll just give a whole bunch of money to somebody and avoid any penalty. But uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes because I mean, last we left him, he was still a very good goalie uh, before he got hurt. So it will be. I guess on Vegas to figure out what's what's going on there. And as of a month ago, they actually said, we're not really sure where he's at with his rehab. So there's probably been very little communication with Robin Leonard. <laughs> if yeah. they don't know where he's at with that. <laughs> yeah, they've been busy with some other things, I'm sure. Um, so we'll see. But I, I got to think that the expectation is he's not going to be ready to start the season. But. You know, again, who knows if he's even going to play next year, right? You talk about his issues with creditors, and and while I don't think I agree with you, I don't think they'll end up being any jail time. It'll probably be just fines and community service if he does, you know, get prosecuted or anything like that happens. So, um, what do you think of the very first signing on July first, and that was James Van Riemsdyk to the Boston Bruins, uh, one year, one million dollar deal, one of the. One of the, I guess, more important $1 million deals that were signed out there on the, the first. Yeah, I, I like this move for Boston because obviously, you know, with losing Taylor Hall, um, with losing, I mean, we don't, we still don't know what's going on with Patisse Bergeron and, and David Krejci, but we, we you know, do I, know that Don Sweeney has said we are operating 
as if Krejci and Bergeron are not coming back. Right. Doesn't mean they won't, but that's how they're operating. Exactly. And, and, and I think, you know, again, they were trying to nag Tyler Bertuzzi. They were trying to keep him around. Um, but, you know, ultimately losing out on him, um, you know, JVR, I think, is going to be a good complimentary piece for your bottom six. A guy who's maybe not the, the fastest skater in the world, but he's got still has good hands. He can still play in front of the net. So you could potentially have a guy who can sit on your second power play unit, play that net front presence and still chip in a few goals. I think he still could be good for 15 to 20 goals on a team that, um, you know, again, maybe lacks some center depth now. But, you know, again, I still think JVR can bring enough to the table, especially at one million bucks. I think it's a good value contract. If Bergeron and Krejci don't come back, is Boston even a playoff team? Oh, I I think they're I think they're a bubble team at that point because obviously they, they, they brought in what they brought in Lucic, they they bring in Morgan Geeky, they bring in Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, it's not as if they went out and really did anything. To, to change their fortunes, uh, you know, this whole, well, we're operating like they're not coming back. Well, you you certainly aren't spending like they're coming back. And I, I, not that they can't. I know their defense is still fantastic. They still have one of the best defenses in the NHL. Uh, but their center depth is just gone. You know, they look like the natural predators. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing, right? So now instead of outscoring teams because they were one of the best scoring teams in the league last year. I think now instead of outscoring teams, you're going to have to rely. And, you know, again, uh, this is going to come down to Jim Montgomery putting together a system that's going to be so defensively focused because, again, you have great defense and you have the best goaltending tandem in the NHL, assuming you keep both of these guys. And yeah, you, you get just have the Vezina Trophy winner. No big deal. Right. No big deal. So, yeah, they're going to have to win games 2-1 to one versus, you know, winning 5-2 to two now. So, All right. Yeah, the – I, I think the Bruins are in tough in this division. It is a darn good division. I don't think that – I mean, Toronto's not going away. Tampa's not going away at, at this stage in the game. Uh, I Well, I think everybody got better except for Boston in this division, in my opinion. So. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, Florida's better. Uh, I, I think that – even Detroit, like Detroit, is in a in a in a better position, and I think that even without doing a whole lot in free agency for Detroit, I think that they their young kids are just going to continue to improve. Uh, I mean, Buffalo, I got to think that Buffalo's there this year. Like Buffalo was knocking on the door; they were what one point out of the playoffs. They very easily could have made the playoffs this last year. Um, I think that that Buffalo, from a defensive standpoint, you know, they allowed three hundred goals. Uh, the Sabers did, which is second most or third most in the Eastern Conference, uh, only to Columbus and Montreal to have more goals scored against them. I think that number is coming way down. I like the signing of Eric Johnson to the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, that's uh, I know that he's he's a bottom pairing guy, but he's somebody who on that young defense where you know your your high end guys are are young. Eric Johnson has been there before. He has been that young star of a defenseman and put into a lot of those situations. He's won a Stanley cup. I think that he is a wonderful fit for this, uh, kind of burgeoning Buffalo Sabres defense that uh, could potentially really be one of the, the better defenses in the NHL long-term, you know, with Owen and Power, defense. Darlene, Samuelson. <laughs> 
a defense now that has three number one overall picks. <laughs> yes, very true. Yes, I didn't even think. Yeah, he was the number one overall pick. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I like the move for Buffalo. I think I think he could play in their top four at times, and it'll be okay. I think that it'll be better than what they had this last year. So I yeah I like I like the move. And Eric Johnson, hey, at, at thirty five years old. Still going and and getting a three point two million dollar contract when he puts up practically no points, and uh, you know in the I think he had, he had eight assists in the regular season. He, he scored his only goal in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so for a guy who doesn't put up any points to get three point two five million on a team that is definitely a bubble playoff team, like when I say a bubble playoff team, it's leaning more towards the playoffs than not this time around. So. I I think that the the Buffalo Sabers have uh, really made themselves better and and man that's just Ottawa's going to be better right like we like what Ottawa did Corpusalo signing and Detroit uh, Montreal I think is even going to be better so I just don't know how Boston I mean granted yeah they had 135 points they only lost 17 times the whole year <laughs> 12 times in regulation you know how do you go from that to missing the playoffs but I I mean this division is just going to be Maybe the best one in hockey from top to bottom. All right. Um, we're, all right. Let's see. Which signing do we want to go to next? And there's uh, Max Pacioretty to the Washington Capitals. A one-year... Um, I think that's a, a one-year f- $4 million? So it's two million bucks with two million, two, with two million in bonus bonus. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at it and was like, that just doesn't yeah. look right. Uh, yes, uh, one million with two million in bonuses. There you go. Uh, what do you think of the fit for this one? Well, I I think it it kind of to me screams a little desperation. Um, I I do think you know Max Petretti probably could have got two million bucks anywhere, right? Um, sure. But maybe I, I think the kicker was was the performance bonuses that. Um, you know, Washington was able to throw in there because I'm not, I, I don't know, you know, all the cap logistics, but maybe they can, you know, defer that to next year with like, same like Boston did with yes, yes. stuff. Yeah, bonuses know. always um, go to the following year. Right. So to me, this, this screams like, Hey, we're, we're still trying to be relevant, right? We're still trying to, to make a play here. We still think between, you know, Backstrom, Ovi that we're, we're still in it in a playoff team. So, um, you know, I don't know what that means for, for guys like, you know, Anthony Mantha or Tom Wilson, if they're still going to be hanging around, but um, you know, again, I, from I what I understand about Tom Wilson, they have not shopped him at all. Okay, but they've tried to trade Mantha, and I don't think it's gone very well. I mean, they're selling as low as Mantha can go. Yeah, I think that they're almost better off bringing Mantha in and seeing if for the first fifteen games, if he can get something going, and somebody's somebody becomes interested. You know, somebody yeah, has an early injury, and and suddenly Mantha becomes more valuable. Yeah, but I mean, on the flip side of that, from Washington, right? You still get a guy who I think can potentially still be a, a twenty twenty five goal scorer. And if you put him on a, you know, a third line with maybe, you know, now it gives you maybe a little bit more freedom to to run Backstrom, Kuzi, and and Dylan Strom down the middle. Now you got a a guy who you can throw with, you know, maybe Backstrom on that third line or or Dylan Strom and and see what happens, right? So, um, you know, if anything, it gives you more options because Backstrom to me can still play. Uh, assuming he comes back healthy, so he can move up and down your lineup. So if you know, like I said, if things aren't working out with Mantha, you move him up and you you can shuffle the lines around a little bit more. 
All right. I, w- I want to, for a second here, I, I want to just focus in on the Detroit Red Wings because they, they were, they were, they were busy. You know, they, they made a lot of deals. Um, a few significant ones. Uh, let's, let's just go through the, the list of guys that signed on July 1st. Um, Daniel Sprong signs a, a one year, $2 million deal. James Reimer comes in on a 1.15 AAV on one year. They signed Justin Hall three years at a 3.4. Uh, Clem Costin, after getting traded from the Edmonton Oilers, signs a two year, $2 million deal. The Red Wings get Alex Lyon, who was a an absolute force down down the stretch in the regular season for the Florida Panthers, got them into the playoffs, and then Bobrovsky took over after uh, a couple of games. Uh, JT Comfer, uh, five year, five point one million. Shane Gostaspier, one one year at four point one, and then Christian Fisher at one year, one point one. What do you think of the totality of what Iserman did on July first? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> oh boy. So I mean, if if let me just first preference preface this if. If we can go get, you know, Alex DeBrinket, you know, traded for and, and signed, I think a lot of people will kind of overlook some of these. But you have to wonder, like, what is the Iserman plan at this point, right? That that everybody keeps screaming about. I know, you know, some of these guys, you know, maybe bring a little defensiveness, you know, defensive mind to the table that you, you think, okay, cool, great, we're we're going to keep the puck out of the net so that we can potentially score more, right? Maybe that's the mindset Iserman's going in with, but. At the same time, as far as scoring more goals is concerned and moving that needle, I don't see it. I, I really don't. And, and and you know, when you look at the numbers last year with JT Confer, they weren't that great. I mean, yes, he put up 52 points, but his analytical numbers, creating chances and, and that five-on-five play just weren't really there. They they weren't that great. So I, I, I just – I get a little worried with, with that signing. Is that like another, you know, Andrew Comp? Like, I like Andrew Comp, but is that really – is that really going to do it right? But I know there's also that connection between Andrew Comp, Dylan Larkin, and JT Comfer, where they all played at U of M together. So maybe that they're hoping that you know catch lightning in a bottle kind of thing. But to me, I don't know if this really you know, I don't know if giving him five years was worth it in my opinion because I, I think that's what you know JT Comfer was looking for was term more than anything else at, at this point in his career because um, he doesn't have a long history of being a. a an offensive dynamo. Yeah, I mean, so. five, five point. This deal is going to take him to thirty three years old. Um, cops deal takes him till he's thirty two. You know, you you look down the middle and you go, all right. If you've got Larkin, Cop, Comfer, and I know Cop doesn't necessarily play down the like he can play down the middle. He maybe isn't your ideal down the middle. I think you're bringing in Comfer to be your second line center at this point. Oh, no doubt. So Larkin, Comfer. You look at what the rest of this division is icing down the middle. Uh, well, we'll just a Boston aside because we're not exactly sure <laughs> who's going to be there. But uh, you know the the Buffalo Sabers with Tage Thompson and uh, like a Casey Middlestat and Gergensen, like this is a Dylan Cousins down the middle. You've got Toronto with Matthews and Tavares and uh, Tampa, obviously with a. Uh, with the Stamkos and Braden Point, like there's Barkov in in Florida, there are some great centers, and I don't know 
long term, you know, if you can really go with these two guys and win a cup. I think Comfort to me probably ends up being a a very overpaid third line center long term. And that that is what concerns me about this deal is that if the Red Wings are going to win, he's not a top six forward who is going to help you to win the cup. Maybe if he's playing on the wing. Uh, but I think he's better suited on that like defensive third line role, a shutdown role. And I think he had a great offensive season this year in comparison to the rest of his career because all of a sudden Colorado had no one. So they had to put him in those situations. He got a little more power play time. And and then, you know, we saw what happens in the playoffs when he's playing too high in the lineup. One goal, one assist in seven games. So the, the move I, I do not love. No, I don't either. And and like I said, it doesn't move the needle enough for me to get excited, right? And so and then looking at the back end and, and you know, the other thing I will say about JT Confer is I think maybe the thought process was he can, you know, hopefully bring a two way game, which again, I don't love his two way game. I I'm not in love with it. It's okay. Um, but I think the the other thing in listening to Eisenman's presser yesterday was he doesn't want to rush a guy like Marco Casper and any of these other centers that they do have in the organization. Uh, bring them in and play them too quickly, right? Like, because sure. he referenced Lucas Raymond saying we brought him in too quickly. Maybe we should have let him, you know, uh, you know, ripen a little bit more. But you know, again, hopefully Raymond, you know, has a bounce back year, and you know, it's a contract year for him. So I'm sure we'll see better numbers. But the the bigger concern I have, and I'm sure you can speak to this because I know, gosh, it, it, it looked like he was just basically cast aside, like just playing so terrible defensively. Justin Hall, I don't know. I mean, I know you needed a right-handed shot defenseman in Detroit after you get rid of, you know, Philip Aronik, but did it have to be Justin Hall? And did it have to be for three years? Until he's 34 (laughs) years old? Yeah. We've got enough old guys on that back end already between, you know, Ben Sherrod and, and, you know, Olimata. Like, do we need any? I'll I'll give him this. I I did like the Gostas Bear trade. I think that that you know you you I know he he has a ten team no trade list, but that just means that he, he's not going to get traded to a Canadian team. Uh, <laughs> I I think that if you know if you're not in the playoff position, I think Gossespierre will still bring in a little bit of of a return. He's going to give you an offensive punch that you definitely don't have right now outside of Marie Sider. So I I think there's that, but the Justin Hall signing. I mean, it just, I I would be fine with a one year at 3.4, even two years at 3.4. It's not awful, uh, but I got to, I'm looking at the Red Wings progression here and you've got to think that by 25, 26 in three years, you're looking at a team that is going to want to be at least a, like, Hey, we're in the playoffs. Like we're gonna be making the playoffs, and that is our like absolute expectation. And now we're gonna start winning rounds. Like by that point, that better be where you're at. Otherwise, this is an utter failure. And do you want 34 year old Justin Hall there at that time? I, I, I don't get that. I get that you can you could trade him at that point. You know, with one year left on his deal, you know what does what does the landscape look like? 3.4 might be more like a $2.5 million deal now, but I just don't love it. Uh, yeah, and the other part of that, too, is right. He got more money I, than Eric Johnson. I don't want to talk about that. Um, 
The, I mean, the the other the other issue I have with with the Justin Hall signing is now you're creating a logjam of defensemen that makes it harder and 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 I I don't know if it hampers the ability, right? But now you're just basically stating like, okay, Simon Edmondson, William Wallander, these young defensemen that they have and that they've drafted right now. You basically tell you're telling them like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna keep you down in the minors longer now. You know, again, we don't think we're we're quite ready yet for you. And we don't think you're quite ready. So I, I want to give opportunities to these younger guys because if, like you said, if you're making a push for the playoffs, if you're going to be a playoff contender here in the next year or two, you have to have these young guys ready to go. Exactly. Uh, well, the Red Wings, I think, are also suffering from not winning a lottery pick. <laughs> like, oh Unfortunately, <laughs> some of this is like, is sort of bad luck. They've been in that position to win it several times. They haven't, and you know they're kind of they're left with. Uh, I mean, still high draft picks, but those high draft picks haven't been as quick to uh, to the draw. Other than Cider, who obviously was a fantastic pick, um, but that definitely hurts. Like they don't have you don't look at their forward group and go. Wow, they have this superstar coming. I mean, maybe Marco Casper is that. I tend to think that Marco Casper is probably more likely to be a very good second line center. Maybe, Agreed. yeah. I I don't know that I see him being that. Like, maybe he could end up, you know, at twenty six, being uh, pretty close to where Larkin is at. Where, you know, hey, Larkin is a he's a good number one center in in this league he's not he's not a superstar but he is a star and and he's good and if you had a larkin casper one two punch that'd be great but the problem is by the time casper gets to the point where larkin is now larkin is going to be old (laughs) (laughs) right it did take larkin a little bit of time to to ripen you know he had a really great rookie season he had he kind of had some bumps along the way though and he's kind of found himself and really has developed into one of the, um, I'll say the more competitive number one centers in the league. He just he just competes, and guys love him. Like I would say that if there's a if there's a comp on a much lighter level, it's he he reminds me of how guys see Sidney Crosby in the locker room. Like guys just love him. They compete for him. They're willing to battle for him, and uh, it'll. I, I hope that he gets the opportunity to lead a, a playoff team because I think that he'll be really great at it. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'll say I'm sorry that you <laughs> that the Red Wings <laughs> didn't have a, uh, a more exciting showing on July 1st, maybe, maybe overspent. I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if Iserman is feel is getting some pressure from the top to like go out and try and bring in some bigger name players. Well, I did read a report today, this morning, that um, apparently they're still in on Alex DeBrinket. There's uh, three teams in on him. I guess what I hear, it's still Anaheim and I think Lou Lamorello's Islanders, too. Um, so they're trying to get something done, right? And and obviously, I think there's a lot of pressure from uh, DeBrinket's agent to get something done. But I think Ottawa's sure. being a little bit more patient to try to get the return that they want. So we'll see if that happens, right? I, I don't think Detroit, you know, is going to try to – I think they would like to avoid dealing a first-rounder, but they do have two next year, so, um, you know, probably well, wouldn't you're hurt. Gonna have to, you're going to have to deal a first-round pick if if you're trading for I, Alex to bring it. I don't think – Yeah, be. I think so too, but – Especially uh, since we'll, he fetched two just two years – just a year ago, so. 
Yeah, I know. I, I think the Red Wings need they need something like that. They need a splash. They need a, a big time goal scorer, somebody who can come in and and like I said, push the needle, right? Because they didn't get it in free agency. And I didn't think they were going to get it in free agency either, because there weren't really a lot of guys, in my opinion, that could move the needle, you know, really quickly. Um, you know, maybe a Tarasenko could come in, you know, and help out with that. But I you know, again, I didn't really think he was gonna go to a team like Detroit anyway, so we'll see. Yeah, if I'm the if I'm Iserman and I'm in on Debrinket. I'm going. I'm going hard after Debrinket. If I don't get him, I'll tell you who I'm. Who I'm trying to make a deal for is William Nylander. I'm going all in to try to bring yes. Nylander to Detroit. But I do think Nylander's probably going to cost you more money or he's, cost you he's more assets. Probably so. going to cost you. He's probably going to be around the 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 ten mark. He's going to be around that Johnny Gaudreau deal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe nine and a half, but. Yeah, the, I guess the the problem for Detroit is going to be, you know, who do you want to give up for Nylander? Who would Toronto take for Nylander on your team? Because Toronto's trying to be good now, so they're going to want somebody who can at least fill the role and they, they see has potential to, to do something, and I don't know that the Red Wings have that guy. Well, I think they have, they have good assets, you know, younger assets. Unless you right, want to but- trade Lucas Raymond. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I think that's where you start if you're Toronto, but I don't think, you know, Eisenman's going to be willing to, to give up on him or give him up, right? So maybe you look at a guy like Robbie Fabry or, um, you know, would you be willing to take on an Andrew Kopp, right? A guy who well, can no. <laughs> play top six minutes? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that that would be a – I mean, William Nylander is top 25 players in the NHL. As, well, you're not going to get as, that back no matter what. As far what, as point so. production goes. So you're, gonna, you're looking at first-round picks. You're looking at – yeah, you're gonna want some young star. I mean, I think that it probably all for the for the wings. It either starts with it starts with Lucas Lucas Raymond. And I don't know that they could make that deal without Raymond being a part of it. Would you do that? Mm. Yeah, I I probably would. I mean, really, if you if you want to push the needle, right? I think Nylander obviously is a star player in this league, and Lucas Raymond's just not there yet, right? And it's it's whether or not you think he's going to get there, but how quickly is the bigger question, right? So, um, you know, if you truly believe Raymond's going to be, you know, a a 30-goal scorer, a a 80-point player, it's just a matter of how quickly do you think he's going to get there. Right, well, yeah, you'd be exchanging one for the other. It's just one is is here now. Right, that's the thing. And And has done it. (laughs) Right, and that's the thing. If you're the Wings, you want to get in the playoffs now. You want to make that push. So I think I would be okay with Lucas Raymond being a part of that deal, although I would try to dangle maybe – Marco Casper or, you know, another high end prospect ahead of him, but that's just me. So Yeah, I I mean I, I think if I was the Leafs and I'm looking at that and I go, Okay, well, if Casper's on the board, you know, for a Nylander, you probably are also you're you're probably doing some other roster player and Absolutely. you're also doing a first round pick and maybe even a second round pick in that that deal. Um I I think it's doable. I don't know that the I wonder if there's other teams out there with maybe more options that that the Leafs would like more. But um. and the other thing to consider too is like, as I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I don't think there's a lot of leverage going to whoever the trade partner is. But you know, Nylander's going to be a UFA, so these teams can could maybe play chicken and say, well, we're just going to wait it out till he doesn't resign with you, and then we'll sign him for nothing. Sure, but I think there'll be there'll be some team who will who will happily take him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. sign him to an eight-year deal instead of a seven and 
that probably helps the cap hit a little bit. If they can, if they can get them to that eight year, you know, you can spread it out a little bit more, but, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that maybe he resigns in Toronto. I think that it's the best for both team for both the player and the team for Nylander to come back at like an eight, five, maybe a nine mil. And you kind of figure, you figure it out long-term you know, you, next year you trade Tavares, or you you know you do something with that deal. Uh, there's there are things you can do, I think. But I, I I think you look at Tavares, you look at Nylander. Who do you want for the next eight years? I want Nylander. You know, I, I I'll take him at nine million a season for the next eight years. I mean, he's he's fantastic. He's been very good. He's been one of their better playoff performers too. I don't think you can replace him very easily. I think he's a great fit, and I—I I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see him go. But not the—I mean—but at the same time, maybe a shakeup is what they need, and he's the most obvious candidate. Yeah, to—you could go both ways with it, but I think ultimately you're losing a good player, and you're not going to get a really good player back. So, you're not going to get a player of equal value back for him. Nope. Um, okay, let's let's talk. Uh, about this Pittsburgh Penguins, the Pittsburgh Penguins goaltending situation after signing Tristan Jari to a five-year, 5.375 on the AAV. The 28-year-old who has struggled with injuries gets a a monster five-year deal. What do you think about Kyle Dubas's first contract to a goaltender? Boy, he's got a love affair with goalies that get injured a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> That's so true. I didn't even think about that. That is really funny. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of with this. I'm like, okay, Jari's got an injury history, but so did, you know, again, Matt Murray, Samsonov. Razik. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, all that aside. I Anderson. You know, assu- <laughs> you're right. <laughs> so all that aside, assuming that Jari's healthy and he's, you know, and, and he's you know, playing hockey. Um, I like this move for the Penguins just because I, I think if they want to remain competitive, which Dubas believes they can be, and I, I think they can be a competitive team with what they have, um, they need good goaltending. And and I think the assets it was going to take to bring in a guy like maybe Jonathan Gibson, right, to stay uh, to stay current and have that elite goaltending, I think was going to just be too much for this team to to want to give up. And to me, you get a goaltender who's proven that he can win a cup, who's had some good years and, you know, maybe he had a little bit of a down year last year, but I still think there's enough there to justify, um, you know, maybe a $5 million cap hit. And, you know, maybe the term was a little long for me. Maybe I would have gone uh, maybe two or three years and, you know, said, Hey, we'll, we'll revisit this when the cap goes up. Maybe you're, you know, putting up better numbers. I don't know, but, um, but maybe it was more important for Jari to get term, right? Because maybe he thinks with his injury history that he's not going to be. Well, yeah, no kidding. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I've had a lot of injuries, so I need to make sure I'm getting paid regardless. Uh, I'd say, uh, we'll give you like, I would have rather than paid him six for one year. Like just go a little higher on the one year and let's see how you do for one, one more, one more shot or, a five five for two years, I would have been okay. Right. But I, this five year deal, you know, that takes a goalie to thirty three. Like we've all seen how that goes. Uh, more often than not, it, it's the the deal gets rotten towards the end. 
<laughs> and that that worries me. Now, I I guess he could be thinking, hey, there's no better goalie out there that we could have signed. Uh, that would That's be, the thing. that would be willing to come here. Um, obviously, there were there were some goalies that were you know I, I I'd be willing to to replace Jari with, but they may have not been willing to go there. And you know, you look at what Jari can offer you. There certainly is. He can be tantalizing. He's he's good when he's healthy. And uh, it's just, is he going to be healthy at the right time of the year? And I think you really need to uh, think hard about what your goaltending situation looks like around him. I know you've got Casey DeSmith. They did sign Alex Nedeljkovic too, who maybe just, I don't know that it was always fair to, to look at his performance in Detroit. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a great defense in front of him and the system didn't really fit him well. Um, fit him much better in Carolina where he had uh, a better defensive system in front of him. Pittsburgh, I won't say they, they have the best defense in the league, but they definitely have a better defense than the Red Wings do. So uh, maybe he can have a little bit of a bounce back. And if they need to go Nadelkovich at some point because somebody gets hurt, that's not the worst thing. I think you really need to pace Jari. Really need to pace him. Like he probably should be the Ben Bishop kind of like if he were to win the Vesna, he played 28 games and had 16 shutouts like that. That's the kind of <laughs> season that Tristan Jari needs to have. Just treat him like he's a freaking glass slipper. <laughs> well, I think now and and, you know, we looked at Detroit, right? And they signed James Reimer and Alex Lyon. And now you look at you know Pittsburgh with their three-headed monster of Jari, DeSmith, and Nedeljkovic. It's becoming more and more important that teams have three good goaltenders. Yeah. Look at Buffalo, like Buffalo with Eric Comrie, Devin Levi, and Ukapekalukunen. Yeah, I'm not really sold on their goaltending, but we won't talk about that. Um. Yes, but they are they are another team who is actively trying to have three goaltenders. Right. And, Philadelphia and so even with with Sandstrom, Hart, and Cal Peterson. Now I'm not convinced that Hart will be there when all is said and done. Uh, but they there there are a lot of teams trying to roll three goaltenders. Yep, absolutely. And I think again, it comes down to guys like Tristan Jari, who you know traditionally have played 50, 60 games. Now you look at these guys saying, "No, we need them healthy in the playoffs when it matters the most." So we're going to go ahead and give you 45, 50 games at the most, and we're going to roll these other guys out, you know, 15, 20 games a pop and, and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, let's, uh, you know, uh, one signing that kind of snuck under the radar that was really sneaky that I really liked, and uh, the fact that they got him on such big a big bonus salary as a genius, Kevin, Hol- uh, Kevin Holland, Ken Holland, tip of the cap, <laughs> For signing Connor Brown to a one-year seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar deal with three point two two five million in available bonuses, um, he does get those bonuses at ten games played. So there's not a whole lot to be done for Connor Brown. This should be pretty easy. Um, I I think there's a good chance if I sign this deal, I could get into ten games. I could do it. <laughs> I know I could. No. Uh, so essentially. I Essentially, this deal is, hey, as long as you're healthy, we're going to pay. Uh, but if he's not, then they don't have to worry about the the cap hit. You know, if something happens with his injury, his, his recovery, then they don't really pay him anything and they can bury it. Uh, but I 
I love this move for Edmonton because I think Connor Brown just brings exactly what the Edmonton Oilers have been missing. He can literally slot slot anywhere in that lineup. He could play next to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. He could also play on the fourth line, and he will still probably put up 15 and 15 playing on the fourth line. Like, that is just Connor Brown. The guy always has found a, a way to produce. He can kill penalties. He... He just does his thing, no matter where you put him in the lineup. And I I think it's a it's a really good depth move for the Edmonton Oilers, where he's almost a a a top six forward in terms of his ability to contribute, even though he generally will probably play outside of the top six. Like you're probably you don't want him to be in your top six all the time. He can be. But he's also going to play probably 15, like fifteen minutes a night because of what he can do elsewhere. So yeah. I, I really like the move, and it's a one-year deal. There's really such little risk for the Oilers, um, and those bonuses they all kick in to the following year, so you don't have to worry about it on the cap this year. So that's genius as well. More yeah, teams should it. do that. More like why don't why don't teams go? Hey, we're really up against the cap. We think we could win the cup. Let's sign this guy. And make his bonus structure like, hey, you're going to bonus after you play five games. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just because most teams don't want to handicap themselves next year, right? You look at the pickle now. Boston has kind of put themselves in with that. Um, Tampa had that issue move, too so. a little bit. Yeah, so you kind of want to avoid that at all possible. Um, but Tampa but won I, a cup. They did. They did. Absolutely. So <laughs> it worked they? out. You could say it's it's totally fine. Like I look at it when the, you know, the Matthew Stafford trade with the Rams, how they basically like – I mean, they went all in and they just gave up all their assets to to be competitive, but they they won the Super Bowl, so you know, good for them. So it doesn't matter anymore, right? Yep, worth it. Um, I take it. I take a. I'll take a last place finish if the year before we win the cup. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep, but I love this signing. I think it's it, like you said, it's phenomenal. I think it gives them the ability now, more or less, to not have to worry about you know, okay, we if we put Ryan Nugent Hopkins as our third-line center, who's he going to play with, right? Now I think you have a guy in Connor Brown who can play with him and produce. He can put up goals. We've seen him, you know, do 20 goals a couple times. I still think he has that ability in his game offensively, um, and he brings that grit, that little bit of sandpaper that I think Edmonton really needed a little bit more of, too. Okay. Um, let's talk New York Islanders here for a minute because they signed some uh, – Pretty interesting, pretty, uh, <laughs> oh boy, pretty long term deals. Uh, Scott Mayfield gets seven years, 3.5 on the AAV. Um, he's 30 years old. That that deal will take him to 37. Uh, and then Pierre Ingval signs a seven year three on the AAV, so $21 million deal. Who would have thought Pierre Ingval would sign a $21 million deal? Uh, at any point in his career. Now, he'll be 34 when that one's over. That, that one's not so bad. Uh, but what are the Islanders doing here? <laughs> why Why did they feel the need to give both these guys seven? Now, like, if these guys were 26, they showed some promise in scoring a lot of goals or, like, being being core pieces. And they were they thought, just like Ken Holland thought in 2009, Hey, I can sign Franzen to a really long-term deal. Like that deal that he signed for with Franzen was not a bad one if Franzen had stayed healthy because he was a horse. Um, he just got hurt and then and then he was done and it, it looked it looked bad. But I mean, I think what was Franzen's deal? About three and a half, 
four million or something yeah, like that. Four million bucks. Yeah. So I mean, if he was somebody who had shown the ability to score goals, okay. But uh, you know, Scott Mayfield. I know he's, he's a defenseman, but I mean, he put up twenty four points. He's not. Uh, he's fine. He's. I guess he's. He's that like number four type of guy. He's a. He's a monster. Uh, but he gets seven years, and then Pierre Ingvall. I don't know what we're thinking here. <laughs> I I have always liked Engvall. I I like the way that he skates. I mean, his the most points he ever put up was thirty five. That was three years ago or two years ago. And uh, I I don't really don't know what's happening with that deal. Seven years. Why? Why give him seven years? He was he going to sign for more than three million dollars a season if, on a one year deal? Was someone willing to give him a one-year, $4 million deal? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know and what is happening. What does he have he on Lula Amarillo? Well, he gave him right, – that's, that's got to be the question, right? I mean, not only did he give him a seven-year deal, but he also gave him a 16-team no-trade clause. Why? Half the freaking league. Why do you have to give this guy any kind of no-trade clause to stay? Like, I, I get it. Maybe you're trying – you know. I don't know. Maybe Ingball thought he was way more important to this organization than you and I do. Um, and so maybe he was asking for four, four and a half million bucks. And so maybe lose tactic to, you know, to bring him down to the price he wanted was, okay, let me give you a term, right? Which, you know, uh, who was willing time, to give him $4 million a year? Come I don't on. understand it. And not He's only a that, bottom too, six forward. Absolutely. But not only that, but now you're, you're not giving yourself any flexibility in the future. If, you know, say this year or next year, right? You're just not being competitive. You're limiting your your team's flexibility because you have so many freaking long term deals to older players right now. I mean, look, I, like you mentioned, he gave Mayfield this huge extension with a lot of term, right? So he's got Bo Horvat with a lot of term. Barzell's got term. No, uh, but Barzell's only twenty six, so it's fine. You know, sure. Horvat's yes. only twenty eight. No, and it's it's okay. It'll be fine for a little while. But Boy, then in five years, gives- the Islanders are going to be so bad. Well, he gave Varlamov four years. Like, I understand you want to keep the band together. Like, and don't get me wrong, that was a great tandem between Varlamov and Sorokin. But did you have to give him four years to do that? Like, maybe two. Right. I do. Well, I do. <laughs> I don't. Like, what? You couldn't have found another quality goaltender for two point seven five. I mean, hell. I mean, you could have gone out and probably got. Does no one want to play for the? Well, I, apparently, ever apparently, these guys want to play for the Islanders until they're eight, they're forty five years old. Because uh, it seemed like everyone, if they could have, would have signed sixteen year deals with the Islanders. Uh, it just it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I get, I totally get signing a longer deal to lower the AAV. I get that. I just I don't know, especially that Ingval one. I don't know who is willing to pay him what maybe maybe three point five. Okay, three point five for three years. Maybe somebody out there was willing to do that. But why for seven? Like this is a twenty one million dollar deal. Do we really think that he's going to be a th- in in this position? I I don't know. That's a, that's a strange one to me. Um, yeah, they have to see this guy as like a 35, 40 point player. I mean that's. That's now, what they, they probably think they're getting I, out of him. I, I feel like I might have to be looking over my shoulder once I say this. Um, so, uh, Lou, if you're listening, you know, just just remember, I, I just I just make comments. I'm I'm unimportant. But uh, as Lou, <laughs> you know, Lou turned turned eighty this last October. 
Um, and maybe it's time. Maybe it's his time. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he's just, I, I don't know. I really, I don't know what he's seeing. I don't think that today the Islanders are, are much better than they were the day before. I think now they've just handcuffed themselves. Uh, you know, I like the deal for Bo Horvat, but, and, and I like the, uh, um, Josh Bailey trade with Chicago um, packaged a second round pick and Chicago just bought out Josh Bailey but for which uh, the, well, Isle- the the Islanders technically could bring him back if they wanted to <laughs> well hell I mean so here's the thing when when they move Josh Bailey right they free up that cap space something and okay cool they're, they're going to go out and they're going to get that that scoring winger that they've been looking for right maybe a Travis Konechny maybe even Alex Dabrinkit right but Hell, then they go ahead and, and give Varlamov, they give you know Mayfield, they give Engvall all this money, and now you you relegated your cap space down to one million bucks. Um, shoot, you still got Oliver Wallstrom that you still need to resign, who's a, an RFA. So where where are you going to find the money to to sign this scoring winger that's supposed to help push your team into that you know Stanley Cup contention? You know, I mean, I know you're you're a bubble team, but now you've got to take that next step and. You haven't done it by re-signing these guys that yeah. don't push the needle. Yeah, very strange. Um, well, let's talk about somebody who will push the needle and uh, gets a, a monster two-year deal. Uh, the biggest, I think it was the biggest AAV given out on UFA Day. That's a two-year deal to Dmitry Orlov at a 7.75 AAV. Uh, Carolina goes and brings in arguably the best defenseman of the day and... Honestly, they go out and they sign maybe one of the you know top five forwards available in free agency, and that's Michael Bunting to a three-year, $4.5 million on the AAV, and they managed to hang on to Anderson and Ranta. Uh, what do you think about what the, the Hurricanes did to yeah. improve their roster? I mean, first off, I love the Orloff signing. I think he's going to be a fantastic piece for their top four. Um, now the bigger question for me is what does this mean for Brett Pesci, right? Um, we, we know he's going to be a UFA after this season. And the word on the street is that, you know, they can't, they can't get him signed to a long-term deal. They can't find a number that works for both teams. And you have to imagine now with Orloff at 7.75, you know, Brett Pesci's looking at this and saying, well, I definitely deserve more than this guy. I can get uh, seven on the open market for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I have to think he's going to be moved, and that was probably part of the reason why they brought in Orloff and especially gave him a two-year deal to say, hey, you know what, we're going to bring him in at two years in case Pesci signs we're not handicapped long-term with a big cap hit for both of these guys. But at the same time, if you know we have to trade Pesci, we have a guy here who can you know uh, round out our top four really, really nicely over the next couple of years because, man, you, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that potentially they could lose in two years Orloff Jacob Slavin and and Brett Burns and then you know Brady Shea after this year they could literally have no they have nobody signed on defense after two years yeah, so yeah. this team although I think that Slavin different. will you know he'll they'll sign him to a big extension and oh yeah I, I agree too I I think you know he I even think you know Orloff will probably get re-signed too at that point going uh, into next year well. the Carolina Hurricanes like I mean when you go down that Orlov Slavin Burns Shea Pesci I mean, that's five defensemen that could potentially play on a lot of teams' top pairings. Yep. <laughs> like, to me, I'm not trading Pesci. I'm keeping him. He's playing in my he's playing in my top four, and we're going to ride this out. We're going on one more run together, 
and we'll figure it out in the off season. If if we can get him signed and you know maybe things change, great. If we can't, so be it. You know you're going to lose Shea probably in the off season next year. So you know maybe it's really a decision between who are we going to keep between Pesci and and Brady Shea. And, oh yeah, I mean they're going to can make it work. They're going to have forty two million dollars in caps, especially so. with that right hand like. Pesci's a, a right-handed defenseman. That's someone you don't want to lose. Exactly. Yeah, and especially at 28, I think he's still right in the prime of his career. So, yep. um, you know, if it's me, I'm finding a way to make it work for sure. And in a worst-case scenario, right, say you go on that, that Stanley Cup run, you know, maybe you don't win a cup. Who knows? But um, at least in the offseason, you could still trade his rights away. I think you could still get a third-round pick for this guy for his rights. So at least sure. you don't come out completely empty-handed, I guess. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I, I do like M- Michael Bunting uh, giving their top six something that they have maybe been lacking for a little while. I think he he can kind of do a little bit of what Jordan Stahl does, but from the wing where he can be a, a big disruptor. and uh, But he's more of a pest than anything. And those, those pesty type of players are to find ones that can put up points is rare. And he certainly can put up points too. So I, I love the the deal for Carolina and you know I, I think he'll do really well there and he'll yeah. as long as he doesn't do anything too stupid he'll be a big <laughs> he'll be a fan favorite yeah and I love that they didn't have to give him too much term on this either um, maybe he's you know hoping that again he can cash in again at 30 31 years old and get another big deal uh, which all all you know more power to him if he can but at the same time I love that Carolina only had to give him three years because um, you know, you, I do you hear that, they, Lou? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you only Lou, had to right? give her three years. You didn't have to give Michael Bunting twelve years to get him to sign right. there. <laughs> right. Well, they got a lot of young guys in Carolina between you know Seth Jarvis, Jack Drury, uh, Martin Nishus. They have all these young guys that are going to bring you know that that skill, that high end talent, but they don't have that tenacity, that that grit that I think you know, Car- like you mentioned, Carolina was just really lacking. Yeah. Uh, that higher end Jordan Stahl esque, you know. Yeah play so it's gonna this is gonna fit their team i think really really well uh, a nice complimentary piece to play on their top six for sure absolutely all right well there are many many moves that have happened um we're an hour and 15 minutes into this one so we'll uh we'll just continue talking uh talking free agents as as we go throughout the summer i mean things things are going to keep on happening so uh, we'll we'll keep going through it on our next show uh but before we before we get out of here, Justin, who to you had the best July first? Who to me? Oh gosh, um, July first, or can we can we well, bunch we can, in like the second and third? Yeah, all right, we'll say like <laughs> draft July draft free agency, kind of all combined. Who's who's had the best little run here over the last week? Man, I I honestly have to lean in towards. Uh, either Toronto or probably have to go Dallas right now. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas bringing in Duchesne on that deal is a, a genius. <laughs> yeah. And if, if Craig he can Smith, love that signing, yep, yep. Um, Sam Steele too. Yeah. There's, there's and some, from a Toronto standpoint, oof. I mean, they're, they took some chances on, on guys, you know, with, uh, with bringing in Klingberg who had a really poor defensive season last year. And, Seems like he might be on the downturn, but if you can find if he can find his game again in his offense, 
uh, you just brought in an $8 million player for $4 million bucks. So it uh, might be a, a bet worth taking, especially the way that Keefe coaches defensively and has been able to get some of these guys kind of changing their mindset from that offensive side and still putting up points, but playing them more rounded out game. I I think that it, it could end up being a great move. And then Tyler Bertuzzi, I mean, what a replacement for Michael Bunting on the top six. Yeah, I was going to say, I... I think when fans looked at the loss of Hyman and Bunting, right, how, how much they were fan favorites, well, multiply that by 10. I think Bertuzzi's just going to, I mean, he's, to me, is better than all, all two of those guys. I think if he can be anything like he was with Boston, um, gosh, he's going to put like a put glove. Up 70 points? Oh, absolutely. If he plays alongside Matthews or Nylander, I think he's just going to, he's going to reap the benefit and he's going to be able to chip in so many goals. Being All right. in front of that net. So. All right. I love it. Well, hopefully that happens. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's a – and then Max Domi coming home. I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. I It might be time for me to get a Domi jersey. Oh, boy. Domi He's wearing the same number as his dad, so yep. you don't have to really worry about which Domi you're talking about. Exactly. Oh, I can go back and I can get a jersey from 1996 and I'll be good to go. Um, that actually was my, my AIM screen name was Ty Domi 511. Oh gosh, I love it. <laughs> and I still use that for like the occasional username when I'm like, what do I put? All right, I'll just use my old one and I'll use Ty Domi 511. <laughs> uh, and you know, stupid story is that the reason I did 511, I mean, Ty Domi was taken. And uh, the reason I did five one one was because I went to NHL.com and they said that he was five foot eleven. So I did that. And then after I made the screen name, I thought, there's no way Ty Domi's five eleven. <laughs> I think he was like five nine or five ten. Was he really? Yeah, he was a little guy. Yeah. If you go oh my gosh, you go walk back and go look up a fight between him and like Bob Probert, where Probert's like six four. Oh and, yeah. And Domi is punching He's punching up. It's like a little kid trying to punch his dad. <laughs> it looks hilarious. Yes, yeah. Go, go. Uh, I love it. Go YouTube that for your for your enjoyment. But um, all right, that is our show. Happy Fourth, and we will. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We'll keep going through all the free agent signings. We'll get some top ten lists going here uh, through the summer. And until next time, uh, enjoy enjoy that weather. Enjoy, uh, you know whatever's happening in life, vacations, all those good things, and we'll talk to you guys soon. 